Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. This week in our series, Covered, God shows up in a comedic yet poignant way that opens us to look beyond the usual places for Him and to see how God can work through His creatures. This will open us up in our relationships and to refrain from looking at only ourselves in life. Today's story is about a bounty cursor. A bounty cursor. Have you ever heard of a bounty hunter? Anybody heard of a bounty hunter before, right? Okay. Or mercenary. They are people for hire to do terrible things, right? Have you ever noticed that we as a culture are very much interested by mercenaries and bounty hunters? Have you ever noticed that before? There's all kinds of films, there's all kinds of stories about bounty hunters, and it, it transcends genres, right? It, like, you know, my favorite bounty hunter is Boba Fett in Star Wars because I'm a Star Wars geek, right? But you, there's, there's movies out there, The Hitman's Bodyguard, and it's a, st- it's a story about a hitman being guarded by, I think it's Ryan Reynolds or whichever. For some odd reason, we as a culture are, ve- are very much interested in these people who do terrible things for money. Why are we like this? Probably it comes from our tradition of Westerns. In Westerns, there's tons of bounty hunters, right? They're not called bounty hunters. They might be called uh, rogue sheriffs or however you might want to go. Um, one of the classic, one of, one of John Wayne's most heralded performances is True Grit. And he is pretty much a guy for hire. He's a hired gun. And I guess... Westerns aren't the original. I guess I, I heard from a friend this week that Westerns took their uh, took some of this obsession with bounty hunters from samurai stories from the East. I didn't even know that. For some odd reason, though, humans like to hear stories about terrible people who do terrible things for money. <laughs> I think what it is is that it's... I think we wait for somebody who is who has such morals, maybe to make a turn, maybe to do something good, right? They become what we call anti-heroes. They're not the greatest, but for maybe this one moment, they do the right thing, right? Well, today's story is about a guy in the Bible who is a bounty cursor. I'm going to talk about what a bounty cursor is for a second, in a moment here. But this guy, his name is Balaam. And Balaam really is an anti-hero. And as we read this story, you might think, why is this in the Old Testament? Why is this story in there? And that's the thing, is that the fact that this story is found within the Old Testament, the defining documents of the Hebrew people, the fact that it's in there says something. And then we'll also look at the story and what it also has to say about our own lives as well. So let me give you the context. Let me lay it out for you, okay? The people of Israel are saved from slavery. We've been over that, right? They come to Mount Sinai. They get the covenant, the Ten Commandments. We've been through that, right? Then God says, I'm going to dwell among you. I'm going to make this tabernacle. And he comes and dwells among them. 
they worship him when he's there, or actually they can't even go in when he's there, but whenever he goes out, they follow his presence. Well, God begins to take them through lands. God is, is, is moving his people into a promised land, and they have to go through a number of lands to get there. They're following this presence that we receive. And so they really... Leviticus is a lot about the law. Numbers is about this, uh, is really about Israel becoming a bigger nation and where they go to get to the promised land. That's what Numbers is about. So there, is, there are chapters in Numbers that are census figures. How many of you like to read census figures? That's why many people who do one-year Bible plans sort of fail in <laughs> Leviticus and Numbers. They get to this point like, this is boring. Uh, <laughs> that's just sort of the way it is. And so as they're going through these different uh, lands, through this wilderness of sorts, they have plenty of failures as a people. They have plenty of conflicts with other nations of sorts. And right before this story of Balaam, they settle in the land of the Amorites. And as they settle in, things don't go well for the Amorites because there are so many Israelites. They are this huge force. Well, they're not going to stay there. They're going to move on. And they're about to move into a place called Moab. Well, there's a leader of Moab. His name is Balak. And he's a little worried. He's worried that Moab is going to be just like what happened to the Amorites. And so he's going to do something about this. Just like Pharaoh in Exodus became worried about the Israelites and how many people they had, so does Balak get worried because Israel is having lots of kids. They have lots of warriors and they have lots of people that can overtake different lands. So, Balak thinks, well, maybe I can fight this fight. Maybe not necessarily with just my warriors and just my, my military. Maybe I can fight this in another way. Maybe we can curse Israel. And if we curse them, maybe we'll have some help from the gods above. This is when he enlists a bounty cursor named Balaam. He basically sends a bunch of guys to Balaam. And these elders are trying to convince Balaam to come back with them to curse Israel. There's money involved. Hey, come, come see our, our leader, Balak. I need you, we need you to, to, to deal with these people on, on this other level. And you will be paid. Well, Balaam has a dream that night, and the God of Israel meets him. Not, not these other gods. The God of Israel, the God who is also leading the Israelites through the wilderness. And he says, don't go with them. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do it. He goes, he wakes up the next day. He goes, no, no, I'm not going to do this. Well, Balak is then going to make an offer that he cannot refuse. So he sends even more elders and more money. 
And Balaam has another dream, and this time God says, okay, you can go with them. You can go with them, but only say what I tell you to say. Now, just from the very get-go, this is odd. Balaam is a pagan diviner or seer. He's not in the nation of Israel. He was not granted the covenant of Israel. He's not traveling with Israel. This guy is completely off the map from where God has been centering his work. Do you understand that, what I mean? God is supposed to be with the Israelites, being a pillar, guiding them through the wilderness. But then here's this guy who doesn't really believe in one single God and doesn't live into the covenant of this God, but that God also visits him? Do you see how this is odd? God is doing something outside of what Israel can probably conceive. And if they were to hear this story and think, God only works among us, well, they've fallen into that fallacy that, well, God is only in the places that we've seen him, and God is only in the canvas tent that we meet him in, and God is only in the box that we put him in, right? But in this moment, God is going to a pagan on behalf of Israel to do something. Because God is faithful to his people. And the reality of it is, is that God goes to places outside of the faith community to intercede for them. He is showing what good relationship is, what right relationship is, what it means to be a faithful God to the people just like they are to be faithful to him in the covenant. And so he goes and he intercedes and he gets into these places and, and in these people's lives who do not know him, who do not love him, who do not care for him, who take money to make curses on people. Walter Brueggemann says this about God, particularly about his righteousness. By righteousness, that right relationship, we mean Yahweh's ready capacity to be present in situations of trouble and to intervene powerfully and decisively in the interest of rehabilitation, restoration, and well-being. God goes outside of the box to bring about good things. To restore, to take care of, to lift out of demise and pain. God works for Israel in a place that he's not expected. So, we now move into the story that we have before us, the funny part of the story. Numbers chapter 22, verse 22. And I just want you just to remember, okay? God's doing this, and this is a radical thing, okay? Remember, he said, 
don't go with them, and then he says, okay, you can go with them, but only say what I'm going to tell you to say. Okay. So Numbers 22, verse 22, we read this. Then God became angry because he went. What, God? You just told him to go with him. We're going to get to it in a second. So while he was riding his donkey, accompanied by his two servants, the Lord's messenger stood in the road as his adversary. The donkey saw the Lord's messenger standing on the road and with his sword drawn in his hand. So the donkey turned from the road and went into the field. Balaam struck the donkey in order to turn him back onto the road. Then the Lord's messenger stood in the narrow path between vineyards and a stone wall on each side. And when the donkey saw the Lord's messenger, it leaned against the wall and squeezed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he continued to beat the donkey. The Lord's messenger persisted and crossed over and stood in a narrow place where it wasn't possible to turn either right or left. The donkey saw the Lord's messenger and lay down beneath Balaam. Balaam became angry and beat the donkey with the rod. And then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you've beaten me these three times? The donkey's talking, y'all. Balaam said to the donkey, because you've tormented me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. See how this is funny? The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on whom you've often ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, Balaam said. Then the Lord uncovered Balaam's eyes and Balaam saw the Lord's messenger standing in the road with his sword drawn in his hand. And then he bowed low and worshiped. The Lord's messenger said to him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I come out here as an adversary because you took the road recklessly in front of me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. And if he hadn't turned, or she, it was a she donkey, if it had not turned away from me, I would just now have killed you and let the donkey live. Balaam said to the Lord's messenger, I've sinned because I didn't know that you were standing against me in the road. Now, if you think it's wrong, I will go back. The Lord's messenger said to Balaam, go with the men, but do not say anything. Say only that which I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's official. You might be wondering, why does God get angry and send his messenger? Which, by the way, when you think of messenger in this moment, it's essentially some kind of representation of God himself. He is there saying God's words. He is there doing God's work, however this looks, okay? Why does God get so angry? He just told him to go with them. The wider tradition of, of Old Testament interpretation and even New Testament interpretation is that very likely as he gets on his donkey to go with him, even though he was told specifically, say what I tell you to say, he was probably getting a little off track in his mind. His intentions were being, being changed a little bit. In other words, yeah, I'll go with God, but goodness gracious, think about the money I'm going to get for this. Think about all the things, like, oh, goodness gracious, I'm going to get 
I know God told me to send it, but, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy what's going to come from this. In other words, he begins to focus on himself and his own ambitions and aspirations and his own profit. So this messenger comes, this unseen messenger by him, which is, again, it's ironic and it's funny. This is, a, this is a diviner, a seer. He does this for a living to see the gods, to interpret visions and all these different kinds of things. He cannot see this messenger. See, I think sometimes we don't recognize that God is not covered by anything but ourselves our own selfishness, our own ambitions, our own profits, our own everything. Because I think that's what's happening here with Balaam. And what's so funny is that his donkey, who is not supposed to be able to see God, becomes really his saving grace. He walks. They're going down. He walks off the thing. This is annoying. Do what you're supposed to do, donkey. And he hits him. Her, the girl donkey. The Hebrew says it's a girl donkey. I apologize. Okay. They go on a narrow path, and he goes up against the wall. We can't. We gotta. We gotta fit by this messenger. He's gonna kill my master. Oh, his foot gets caught. Beats him. Beats her again. And the messenger's standing right there. Cannot go anywhere. So, I'm just gonna. Yeah, I'm not going to go any further. I'm not gonna take my master into a place where this thing, this angel messenger, the presence of God is going to kill my master. And he beats the donkey senseless. So then God, God allows a donkey to speak. Some of you who grew up with Shrek are really happy right now. Probably sounds like Eddie Murphy, definitely. Any case, <laughs> The donkey speaks. And here's the, again, I still can't believe that this happens. Balaam doesn't like, you can speak. He's just like, no, I'm talking to my donkey now all of a sudden. Either he is so blinded by the rage or whatever. But he just starts talking to the donkey. And the donkey says, why are you beating me? Have I ever done anything like this ever in my years of serving you as your donkey? No. So all of a sudden, this creature, a creature that's not supposed to talk, becomes a way that God reveals his presence. Creatures, all of a sudden, can reveal that God is near. Even a donkey that doesn't normally talk. Thomas Ashley says this, with Yahweh's, God's, inspiration, even a donkey is more perceptive than a professional seer. And now you're laughing. <laughs> How does it end? Him being in the same posture as his donkey. Kneeled down, please don't kill me. I know I did wrong. I didn't see it. 
I'm sorry. And then the same command is given to him. Go and only do the things that I tell you what to do. For us, in our own relationship with God, we can fall into the trap that Balaam is in. We can make our lives, we can make our faith, we can make our church, we can make everything about ourselves, our ambitions, our desires, our goals, our aspirations. And what we do is, what we end up doing is, we basically shut our eyes to a God who is with us. And we can miss out on what he is wanting to do, not just only within us, but to those who are around us. And what Balaam really depends on in this moment is, well, I am a seer. I am going to see God when he wants to get a hold of me. He is relying upon his own understanding, his own abilities, his own everything to have this contact with God. But that's the thing, friends. The moment that we begin relying on ourselves for all of that is the moment that we can, just, we can become just like Balaam. The moment we think we know everything about God or what he might want to do is the moment that we shut our eyes and cover up God ourselves. Hear that? The moment we think we know everything about God or what he might want to do is the moment we shut our eyes and cover him ourselves. And I think the thing of it is, is that we live in a world where voices who talk about God can be very rigid and act like they know everything about God and the world and everything in it. We can be that way ourselves. And what we're doing in that moment is we are shutting our eyes to seeing the possibilities that God might have for us, but also what we will end up doing is that as we're talking about it or as we act in our zealous nature, in our way to say, this is it and you're wrong, you end up beating a donkey. You end up beating a dead horse. You end up abusing a family member or a friend or a brother or sister in Christ. Do you see that? Because the entire nature of Balaam's conversation with the donkey isn't, oh, you can talk now. This is... Balaam goes, how long have I served you? For years. Have I been trustworthy? Yeah. It's not the fact that it's a donkey talking to a man. It's the fact that the two have had a relationship. Balaam has been able to trust that donkey, and that donkey has been able to trust Balaam in relationship. And what Balaam has decided to do is, I am so focused on everything that I know that I am willing to hurt a creature that has trusted me and I have trusted for years. Do you see how that might work out in our relationships with each other? 
Because what we do is we get to a point of saying, I can't do this anymore. And we end up hurting somebody because they have, they've provoked us with a different vision of God or, or a different way of going about things. And we say, no, 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 you are this, that, these, those. Or we can do that too. How many people have the church cut off because of A, B, C, or D? Can't do this. We'll just be like Balaam, focused on the thing that we think to be is utterly right or utterly wrong or our own ways or our own desires. So I think it's really important to recognize this, this very, very important thing. It's got a slide for it. When we focus on ourselves and our own understanding of God, we will hurt we will abuse, we will leave people who love us and want what's best for us. That's the self. What this story does is it opens up our minds to the fact that God might work in people and in creatures and in other things in the world that are outside of the faith community. Do you, do you see why how radical this story is in the first five books of the Hebrew scriptures? Well, God shows up in the tabernacle. God shows up in the mountains. God shows up in this way. And he shows up in a pagan seer who we might think to be an enemy. But God is working amongst our enemies? Do you see this? And do you see, do you see why Jesus says, love your enemies? There's no such thing as an enemy in this world because the entire creation can bear witness to the God that created it. In other words, y'all, we need each other. We need fellow creatures of God to see all of God. That makes us uncomfortable. I want to be in the tabernacle. I want to, liturgies are good. If I do the right things, all these things, I'm telling you, are there voices in this world that are not in the church and that are not within the different kind of structures that we have created that are bearing witness to God and trying to correct us, and we say, no, I'm not going to listen to you. Because you believe something different, you do something different than me, than what we have. Now, how do you begin to understand if it's God or not? Look at Jesus. Look at how God has worked. So we need to also, not just in our relationships personally, not just in our relationship with God, we also need to recognize our relationship with the world that God can work outside of the church and we will never see it. We'll never see it. Israel never actually encountered this story. The only reason that this story is in here is because they found out what Balaam did and said, look at what God did here. It's not just in the tabernacle. It's in these other spaces. So we need to be open in our relationships with people who aren't Christians. 
with people in other religions, with people with different alternative lifestyles, all of those things. We need to be open in love in our relationships with all people. Not just because God works in this moment, but because God, as shown in Jesus Christ, says, love your enemies. There's no such thing as an enemy. They're all beloved by God because God created every human and every donkey and every flower and everything on this orb we call earth and beyond. God is bigger than the boxes that we put him in. So anytime, friends, I've got a slide for this one. Anytime that we believe God will pit us against other people, making enemies out of them, we make God something that he isn't. And we will miss where he is and what he is doing. Where's God at on a Sunday morning? Is he in sanctuaries? Absolutely. Is he also down in the poverty-stricken streets of Calcutta? Yes. Is God in that kid who was kicked out of his house for having a sexual orientation that does not live within the belief system of the parents. Yes. God loves us all and can work in all of us. That's the beauty of what we believe. God is continuously reaching out and working in our lives even before we even see him and know him to come to him and love him and be with him and follow him. You cannot see what God is doing in somebody's life if you see them as an enemy, if you hate them for everything that they stand for or what they believe or what they do. The moment we decide to make enemies is the moment that we may miss where God is and what he's doing. Balaam finishes his anti-hero arc. If you continue to read in the next few chapters, you will find that Balaam goes to Balak, and he does exactly what God tells him to do. Balak says, curse these Israelites! And Balaam just starts to talk, and every single time he talks, it comes out as a blessing for the Israelites. Talks about how, oh, the Israelites will have more and more kids, and the, the, the God will provide everything that they need and all these things. This happens three times. Balak says, okay, we're going to try this again. Curse them, not bless them. Okay, here we go. Israel is blessed by God. No! Again, this entire story is hilarious. But on the fourth time, Balak tries it one last time. And out of Balaam's mouth isn't just a blessing for Israel, it's also a curse for Balak. He does God's will, not as a member of Israel, not as a member under the covenant, not as a person has been to tabernacle who has been to the right place. He does God's will in this moment. Because God is bigger than what we like him to be. And you, you have to appreciate 
God's positive movement in Balaam. Sadly, though, as things turn after this moment, Balaam goes back to being a greedy bounty cursor. He will later die because he is found conspiring against Israel with some others. And there's a tragedy there. Which tells us, friends, that any point, God can be working in all of us and we can still choose the wrong ways, too. So I'm here to share with you today that as we go out into a world that is filled with evil, terrible human beings that we can say, war criminals, people who treat people as notches on their belts and coerce people into things that they are not wanting to do, you can you can begin to look at every single person and say, evil, I don't want anything to do with them. But know that you're going to miss out on what God might do in that person's life and your own life when you write them off, when you make them an enemy. Because God is bigger than this church, the church universal, denominations, all of it. And we have to be willing to have eyes open for what God is doing in this world, even in the places that we don't want to look or we might be unexpectedly looking. Because God shows himself in creatures. He sometimes speaks truth into our lives through a very creature that might not have any relationship with him at all. And we have to have our eyes and our ears open for what God is doing. So may we not be focused on our own ambitions and our own greed, our own profits, our own desires, or our own interpretations of God to the point of willing to hurt others, to force it down their throats, or to make ourselves feel better. But rather, may we be open to all that God has for us in unexpected places and unexpected people. May we be open to a God who reveals himself not just through other Christians or non-Christians, but even donkeys, birds, and the world around us. May you receive all that God wants to speak to you about in the world that he has created and the world that he loves. May you live in him. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.